Thanks, Varel. Good morning, everyone. How are you going? Nice to see some smiling faces and some response. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Um, welcome to those. Uh, I'll just, I just want to add my, my welcome to um, what Angel's already shared and, and um, good morning to those visiting with us this morning. Uh, thanks, Tim, for leading us so well. And um, I just wanted to, just wanted to for, the, for the first time uh, in, in our series in Mark, we're, in, we're into Mark chapter 2, and uh, we're, we're officially in the season where I can't preach on every verse. Otherwise, we'd be here until about, about four years' time. Uh, so I'm going to encourage you to please read the start of chapter 2 up until verse uh, 17 again, because I'm only going to be preaching essentially on, verse, on, on one verse again. Um, let me, let me start this morning with a, uh, with a, with a picture. Um, this, is a, this, is, this is a picture that appeared on a, uh, on a police Facebook page many years ago. And uh, the person, the person uh, in it was missing. And I'm pretty sure that you can imagine some of the comments um, that I, that I, that I, that I uh, took note of. Uh, some of the comments said, uh, A face only a mother could love. Um, there was another comment along the lines of, imagine taking him home to your parents. And uh, there's some other comments that I won't go and, and uh, mention at all. Uh, yet I want to say that that young man, regardless of where he's been and regardless of where he's going, has a place in a church and he is a person who is loved and valued by Jesus. And... I just want to put on record, I'd, lo- I'd love him here. Um, of, of all the messages of Mark, this is, this is one that, that just for me is just close to home, and I don't know why. Um, but this morning, you know what, we, we, are, we, we are not people as... We're not, we're not people who, who can somehow claim God's favour and grace and, and everything else through our own effort. We, 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 can't, we can't claim to have made peace with God because of something we've done. We, we are sinful people saved by a gracious God in faith, you know, what, what's, that, what's that statement, Alan? In, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, Is something, something like that. But we, but, we, but we all still, as people, live with this thing called self-righteousness, where we, where we sort of look at Look at ourselves as being the prime example of goodness and everybody else around us seems to have something wrong with them. They, they, they just don't measure up to my standard and, and every other human characteristic that we look at is like, well, that's, that's, that's less than what we should be you know, going for. Uh, this, this morning's sermon is called, I just call it Bad Company, but um, I, reckon, I reckon it's actually one of the, one of the most the most glorious examples of what this scandalous gospel is all about. Um, now here's the thing, I, think, I, reckon, I reckon most of us can probably stomach the idea that Jesus reaches out in compassion and love to people, and especially people maybe, maybe who are different you know, and every, everything else, but, but, I don't, but I don't think it's just to be tolerant and inclusive like our current culture would say. I don't, I don't think he's just, he's, just, he's just reaching out to heal somebody or to restore somebody with the idea that he can, okay, off, off on your way. What, what he's really trying to do is actually change the trajectory of this man's life forever. Church, I need you to... Oh dear. I need you to hear today 
that, that Jesus did not come into your life and ju- just to make you a safe Christian, just so you could have a nice life, just so you could sit here some Sundays. That's not what he was trying to do. Okay? And all those things are good. But that's not what he was about. Um, back about... I, I spent a long time in the police force and, and about, about 10 years ago in Queensland, there was, there was essentially a war... Well, it, was, it wasn't really a war, but there was, but there was certainly a focus on, on outlaw motorcycle gangs. And um, we, it, was a, it, it was a significant, I guess, um, significant um, focus, I, I think you'd probably call it. Um, in, many, in many eyes, the bikies were seen to be sort of like those, th- those people who are public enemy number one. And if you saw them wearing colours... The mindset was it's open season. You, you pull these guys over and make their life hard, right? That's, that, that was pretty much the, the mindset. There was, a, um, there, was a, there was a death in the town where I, where, I, where I was at and despite our best attempts to save the guy, we, we, we didn't manage to do that. But his, his brother was a member of an outlaw motorcycle gang. Uh, they, they rode in out of town. Uh, they, came, uh, they came to the funeral. Um, quite, quite amusing watching them at the funeral. In, in all the colours and everything else. They can't bring themselves to actually come into the church because if they come into the church, God might notice them and that would be trouble. Anyway, so I just, I just, I just found it interesting watching. It's actually just interesting watching people, isn't it? Or is that just me? <laughs> anyway, um, any, anyway about, about three weeks later, I popped pop, pop my, pop my head in one, head in one night to the... To the to the family home just to just to say hello and just to check on how everyone was going, and I walk in the door in uniform and there's these couple of guys and and so uh, the the brother and a couple of his mates are there. Remember, this is at the height of the hostility between the police and the <laughs> and the things going on, and I'm really glad that there were no video cameras on or uh, or photos taken that night, but. Um, each, each one of them got up, shook my hand, one of them gave me a hug and said, thank you for what you did. And it was, it was really, really weird. <laughs> it was really weird. And I remember getting back, in, back into the car that night and God hits you with a question. And it's usually about the moment where he, where he hits you about the question. And the question was, this is, so this is a Saturday night, the question was, tomorrow morning at church, Steve, are those guys welcome at your church? Interesting to think about, hey. Ange mentioned this a little bit, little bit last week, but um, honestly, you're like what, like what, like, like what category would be would be too bad for us? What what category would be just too too much for you? Because we because we have this beautiful picture this morning, of this beautiful picture, but a very confronting picture as well, of of Jesus calling somebody to come and follow him, who frankly nobody else would notice. Verse 14 says, as, as he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said. Levi got up and followed him. Amazing. I find a lot of richness just um, looking at Scripture and reading, reading the Word the way, the way it is and reading it slow. And I wasn't going to talk about this this morning, but I can't get past the first couple of words. The first example 
that I noticed in that verse? What's Jesus doing? Walking. You might look at that and go, why? Why does that matter? And some of you probably are already thinking something along the lines of, I'm really happy that Jesus can walk because I haven't got time for that right now. <laughs> right? Here's the thing. If we want to be like Jesus, the question we've got to consider is, is do we walk like Jesus walked? Maybe I'm overthinking it here, but, but, but even though Jesus is on a mission to go save the world and change the world, he's not driven by the pressure of hurrying to the next engagement or running, run off his feet trying to be productive. What, what, what he's doing is he's intentionally walking at a pace where he is aware of the people around him and that's how Jesus notices somebody that nobody else does. He walks. I needed to hear that this morning. <laughs> and I share that because I think, I think all of us are in a season where on some level we're a little bit overwhelmed. We've, we've got all these, you know, after, after all that slowdown, now we've got, to, we've got to sort of make stuff happen again. We've got, we've got, to, we've got to, you know, after, after all the changes and all the, and all the confusion of the last couple of years, all of a sudden we're in this season where we're sort of supercharged about, about you know, the demands of life are back. The calendar's full. The, the stuff's got to get done. The money's got to get made. The kids got to go places. And it's all got to happen yesterday. Anyone else in that, in that world? Maybe it's just me. I... <laughs> I, I can't think of any cases in the, in the course of my life where, where Jesus ran. Now, maybe I need to do some, do some more study on that, but, but he's, you know, you know, the, you know, this picture, he's walking with God and he's walking in reliance on the Spirit. And that's how, that's, that is what allows him to be, able to, to, to be able to see the people and the spiritual need and the hunger behind the eyes as he walks around. And I need to, I, 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 I need to know that. I need to do that. We all need to do that. And we're in that season, church. What, what, what can we actually do, honest, honestly, just thinking off the cuff, what can we actually do as a church and as a community to help and to encourage each other to go a bit slower? What, what can we do to, to do that? And maybe... You know, obviously things are, things have still got to get done. Things things still have to be, you know, but but how do we actually prioritise the things that matter so we can go a bit slower and notice the people that Jesus did? The question, sorry, the the passage then says, as he walked, he saw. So the second question is, do we see what Jesus sees? The uh, the tax collector of of Jesus' day was considered public enemy number one. He he, he wasn't. He didn't have friends. And the fact that Levi essentially uh, is, he's, he's, a, he's a Jewish guy means that he was considered a traitor by his, by his own people. But the thinking of the day would be that, you know, that, that Rome essentially sent, set, set a benchmark for this, this is how much money has to come in in terms of taxation. So Matthew would have to cover that plus whatever he wants to put on top of that. And so it's a so it's a so it's quite a it's quite a I guess an unfair system. There's no right of appeal for people, and everything that the tax collector says essentially is enforced by the government. So Levi is pretty much free to free to choose whatever he wants to do 
charge however much he wants, line his own pockets, and everyone in town thinks he's a traitor. Everyone hates the guy. Everyone hated him. Everyone knew he was corrupt. Everyone knew what he was doing was wrong. But there's nothing they can do about it. And yet Jesus calls this guy? Yep. It's unreal. And it's, it's so funny that a, tax, that, that, that a tax collector in this, in this culture is considered to be so far from God that there is no conceivable way for them to be able to earn their way back. And that's the point. That's, that's the point of the story. Now, here's the thing. Jesus, looked, he didn't look at this guy. Oh, I, I, missed the, I, missed the, I missed the, hang on. Jesus walks past with spiritual eyes and sees a man's potential when everybody else has not even noticed he was there. Now, let me just explain this because this is, this, is, this is really, really important. Jesus didn't look at this guy and go, he has potential in himself to do anything, right? Because that would be the Disney gospel, right? That would be the, that would be the version that if you look deep inside yourself and you are really, really good and you find a solution and you work hard to achieve the results and you work hard to prove how good you look to everybody else, then you can be the hero and that's not what Jesus is trying to do. Okay, what, what, what Jesus saw was spiritual potential and what he saw was what this man could become if Jesus became the centre of his life. That's what he's talking about. And his, his potential would not be reached in his own effort, but if he surrendered his life to Jesus and if he lived in reliance on God's grace rather than having to try to earn it himself. Oh man, how important it is to see the people, to see people the way that Jesus does. To, to see beyond the obvious, to see, to, to see, beyond, see beyond the labels, to see beyond the tattoos on the face, the club colours, the lifestyle choices, the political af- affiliations, the sexuality, the background, and to see what people might become if Jesus got a hold of their life. I long for that day where we just see more and more people the way that Jesus did. And that's hard work, right? We, we, we just need to, I guess, I, I guess find, the, find the ability as a church and as people not, not, to, not to see people with judgment or with preconceived ideas about religion and not with ideas about self-righteousness and not with... But, but with undeserved grace and love. That's, that, that's, that's the standard. So long for the day that Jesus got a hold of some lives. That's what, that's, that's what it's about. Um, I, I was going to skip over to point three, but I, but I can't. Do, question three. Do, do we follow the way that Levi did? It's, it's important just to, just, just to note here the very radical step of faith that Levi takes to go and, to go and follow this guy. Because, because a fisherman can go back and start fishing again. If you leave tax collecting, you, you can't go back. There, there is no path back for a tax collector. Once, once out, you're out. You're, you're gone. And yet this guy gets up and off he goes. 
Life as he knows it is completely different. We, we, talk, we talked a few weeks ago about how Jesus, you know, like following Jesus means, means a lifestyle of giving up the comforts and the attractions and in a sense dying to ourselves, right? We talked, here's the thing about Levi, what's, what's he given up? He is giving up the extravagance and the comfort and the money and the financial security and everything he is used to for a path that has nothing. But it's the path that's going to actually get him somewhere. And I think it's because he realises that, 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 that the pursuit of Jesus has to become more important than the pursuit of everything else. Church, there's no, there, there is no way to sugarcoat this. I'm sorry about that. And, I'm, and, and I won't. Because I reckon, I reckon there, are, there are a lot of Christians today, just, just in my estimation, that like the idea of following Jesus on some level. I like the idea that Jesus is, you know, he's, a, he's a good guy and he sort of ticks all my spiritual boxes. But, 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 but I really like, I, I love the idea of, of financial well-being and prosperity and extravagance and safety and comfort. And maybe I like those things better than a heartfelt desire to follow Jesus at the cost it's going to cost me. I just, I just have a... a I remember listening, listening to a podcast a while ago and the guy said something along the lines of, if we want to live for Jesus in this world and walk like him and see what he saw and do ministry the way that he did, we must rid ourselves of the idols that our world contends with. Anybody else feeling challenged? Um, point four, <clears throat> can we embrace the need for real unity around Jesus. This is interesting. This is probably a whole other sermon, by the way, but just to, but just to, just to you know, get you intrigued today. Who's, who's Jesus called so far? <clears throat> he's, called, he, he's, he's called five people. Four of them are fishermen who have spent their life busting their gut to try to get enough money to pay this flippin' tax collector, and now the fifth guy he's called is a tax collector. Can you imagine the four guys who are sitting next to Jesus going, you're calling him? <clears throat> imagine the, just, just, just imagine for a second the complexity of the relationships about following Jesus. You've got all these guys with a different agenda and different preferences and different personal hang-ups and different distrust of each other, but yet they have to work together towards something that is bigger and more important than any of them. And that's what a church is about. Interesting, hey? I think there's something in, in, in this for us to actually embrace, that, that, that instead of all the personal baggage and the preferences that we bring to the table... Now, what we as a, as a church must live with is a single-minded focus to glorify Him first. And that takes some real maturity for us. That, that actually takes some real emotional maturity for us as God's people. And also, a heartfelt willingness to embrace people who are different than us and to move forward in, a, in, in the same direction, right? What, what, what if we as a church instead of having all those annoying discussions about pastoral, pastor's votes, which are coming, 
um, staffing, de staffing debates, newsletters, furniture, paint colours, TVs on the wall, music preferences and carpet, spend our time reminding that what unites us is far more important than what divides us. I just, I just find it stunning that, these, that, that amongst, these, amongst these five disciples and in, for, the, for, the rest of the, for the rest of the Bible, maybe I haven't read everything right, right now, but at least, my, at least in, in, my, in my humble opinion, there is not a hint that from, the, from, that from this day forward, these guys ever have an issue with each other because they're working in the same direction about something that's far more important than themselves. I wonder if there's something in that. I don't know what it is quite yet. And I think what it is, is because following Jesus is a single-minded focus where he has to be and he must be the most important pursuit of all and he's the only thing that matters. Now, church, I, I had hoped to get to the bit about... Um, the dinner with tax collectors and run-ins because, you know, and, and the Pharisees trying try to say, well, who, who's in, who's out, who, who doesn't make the cut, all that sort of stuff. By the way, what, what, a, what a beautiful picture of what the night shelter does, hey? What a beautiful picture of what the night shelter does. Um, but a, a couple of things just, just, just to mull over, as, mull over as, as we finish. I said this a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. I'm really grateful that, that there is nobody who is beyond the grace of God. I'm really grateful there's no one beyond the grace of God. And the church should not be a place where people are not welcomed because, of, because, of, because, they, because it's them and us and all that sort of stuff. That's, we've got to be better than that. There's no, there's no people who are in and people who are out. There's people who are following Jesus and that's the end of the story. It's not a museum for saints, it's a, what did he say? A hospital for sinners. Like pe people who actually, at the heart of their life, rescue, at the, at the heart of their life, they recognise a need for a, a, need for a saviour. In fact, you know, I, I think, I think we, sh we should expect and hope that our church is not just us, it's actually people on the fringes of society who don't have everything together and yet can still come into this church and feel, feel like they belong. That's, that's what the church has got to be like. Regardless of where it is and what, what community it ministers to and everything else. And the invitation is not to come to church and get your life together, it's to come and follow Jesus and let him sort out the trajectory of your life. I, I love the... I love the picture here of just, of just the glorious reality of that, of that gospel message that, that not one of us can lay a claim to being good enough for God. Because <laughs> you've got Levi here, and what's he doing? He's sitting in his tax collector's booth. He, he hasn't done anything to try to improve his situation. He's done no self-development courses. He's done nothing to make himself better. He's still surrounded by sin and corruption and dishonesty and self-righteousness. And so are all of us. And the good news of the gospel is that Jesus didn't come to us because we had our lives together. He came to us to set us on a course. He didn't come to, come to us to set us on a course of self-improvement. He came and died in our place for our sin so that we could be the sons and the daughters of the King. 
and so that we could be a part of a kingdom that would never end. There are certain things that have got to be more important than our personal preferences. And he is, man, he's it. I just have that, that passage from 2 Corinthians to read. That's, wow, what a, what a great verse. All this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Listen, listen to this. For, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins. There's our attitude. That's the attitude that Jesus invites us to live with. We bring people to Jesus. He's the... He, if you actually, if you actually, if you read the, if you read the story before this in Mark two in the first first twelve verses that I that I skipped, you got four guys picking up a guy who's got no hope, and they take him to Jesus because he's the only one. Love, I love I love how love, love, love how all this ties together so well, and I didn't even plan it. Hey church, how about we? Break our hearts for the things that Jesus got broken for. That we would actually walk and see people and pray and dare to dream of the day that Jesus got hold of their life. Because I reckon, I reckon if we did that, that our perspective on seeing a lot of people around us would be completely different, wouldn't it? I'm just going to borrow, borrow a quote um, from Alpha this week as I, as I finish. Jackie Pullinger was a... Uh, was a missionary from Hong Kong, still, still is a missionary actually, actually in Hong Kong. And uh, she, she had this to say during the week at Alpha. God calls us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The problem is that far too many Christians have developed hard hearts and soft feet. Let's pray that God would change us and shape us to give us a heart that can truly go where he needs us to go. God, like most weeks, we, um, we hear your word, and it's hard. Lord, I just, just want to acknowledge the fact that, God, God, that even amongst, even amongst these people here I'm, here, I'm sure that there are people, that there are many of us who, who do a great job loving people, maybe who are on the outskirts, of the community on the on the outskirts of life but god for many of us that, that that's that's just really hard and we, don't, and we don't know how to do it and god i pray for the ability to see potential in people not because of their ability but, but because of your grace lord i pray for the ability to be able to, to to walk a bit slower and see people around us who are in need lord i pray for a Pray for the ability to be able to see people and to see past all the, all the labels and see into the heart and see into the eyes and go, what could that person become if you got hold of them? God, I pray that you would break our hearts for the things that broke yours. For the things that, you know, that, for the things that just drove you crazy. Lord, that you might change our hearts to be and to pursue the things that are on your heart. God, I pray for a, I pray for a church that is actually 
ready and able to embrace people who, who are different than, than, than them. And, and Lord, Lord, you know what? There's, there's, there's always a discussion to be had about, about who gets a say in, in everything else around the church and, and everything else. Lord, Lord, I, Lord, I pray that as a church, we would have a single-minded focus where you are all that matters and everything else that has to get done is of secondary importance. Lord, I pray that you would give us that heart that wants to follow you with all we've got and God, the ability to to maybe even let go of the stuff that so often clouds our thoughts and our judgments and our priorities.